Hello, and welcome to the International Sonography Podcast, the podcast all about the occupation of diagnostic medical ultrasound all over the globe. I'm your host, Jamie Fujikawa. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the International Sonography Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. I'm Jamie Fujikawa with our co-host, Lorinda Andrist. Today on Episode 5, we are so happy to have a guest join us who most of you will know from the popular Facebook page, Sonographers Do It in the Dark. She created that page, but along with that, she is an experienced practicing clinical sonographer who has uh, so much to contribute, and we are so anxious to sit down with her. So please welcome to the show, Miss Chelsea Meyer-Wright. Chelsea, thank you so much for being with us today. Can I begin by asking where you were born and raised? Yes. So I am from a very rural town in Oklahoma, out in the Panhandle called Beaver, and graduated from there and married my high school sweetheart, Kevin, about 12 years ago. And we now live in Colorado with our two children, ages seven and five. Cool. What brought you out to Colorado from Oklahoma? My husband's job. So he's an oral surgeon out here. So he took an attending position. Oh, cool. Cool. And so were you in, where were you in your sonography career when you moved from Oklahoma to here? So we kind of bounced around. We went from Oklahoma where I was working at OU Children's out to Virginia. And we lived in in Richmond, Virginia for four years while he was doing his residency. I worked at VCU Health Systems there. And then after four years, he was offered a position out here in Colorado Springs. And so we made the move out here. Cool. And so when you moved to Colorado, did you have children at that time? Yes. Okay. We made the wonderful decision to make, to have a planned family, his first year of residency. I'm not sure what we were thinking on that. So yes, we had two children during his residency and it was an interesting time, but yes, we had both of our kids before we moved. That's awesome. And where is your, your family also back in Oklahoma? Yes. Everybody lives out in the panhandle. We have a couple of siblings here and there in Denver and Waco and Norman, Oklahoma and things like that. But everybody's pretty much on the panhandle. That's great. How far is it from home for you? Like, is it a drive, a flight? What is it? It's a drive. It's about five and a half hours to his folks and about six and a half to mine. Okay. that's about the same for me too. Now your family give you a lot of grief for moving away or do they understand? Uh, I told them that he had matched and we were moving to Richmond, Virginia. We had lots of weeping and gnashing and teeth. Yeah. Okay. I know that. I get that. That. Then I also know you need to kind of follow your own path and your dream and where Absolutely. You know, we're close to family without being super close. So it's a nice balance. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And so when you tell me about your program that you went to, your sonography program. Yeah. So I got my bachelor's degree from the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center in Oklahoma City. And it's a it's a bachelor's degree program actually in sonography. So I was very fortunate for that. And the program itself is wonderful. You get didactic coursework and everything. So OBGYN, abdomen, echo, vascular, everything. So then while you're going through the program, you get to really get a wide, you know, scope of practice for everything with that. And then you kind of get to decide what your strengths are, what your preference is, and then go from there. Sure. And for you, what were, what did you decide to intern in versus going to practice in? I took a job kind of part-time and kind of pieced together full-time hours in a few different places, just kind of figuring it, figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. And I got my RDMS and kind of worked on everything. And then I got approached to go work at OU Children's in the pediatric echo department and fell in love with it. And that was, that was it. That was it for me. So 
No, I just got the chills. I love being <laughs> the gecko. But I know that feeling of really just feeling like you've met your match when it comes to. Yes, it was exactly where I needed to be. Cool. Cool. So what, when you worked at OU Children's, was it, uh, how did you, were you on call and full-time or what was your schedule like then? Yes. I worked there full-time and then took call about a night a week and then one weekend a month. And then I was also taking call for a different hospital there in more. And I was taking about a night a call a week for them also just to keep my general skills up. Cause they oh, did general. also. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got to the point where I just couldn't really see myself wanting to go back to doing anything else. And so I really sh- like relinquished that and just took call at OU Children. So, yeah, definitely. I can, uh, you know, relate when you start to specialize, you feel like you don't have room in your brain or your schedule for the general, you know, it got to be a lot being on call two or three nights a week and then trying to manage everything. It was just, it was a lot. So yeah. Did you do a uh, fetal echo in your pediatric lab or did you do any adult or was it strictly peds? At the time we did not do fetal there. It was just pediatrics and we had an adult congenital clinic. So we did scan some adults and, um, I had also worked for about six months for an adult cardiologist two days a week. So that was a good balance. I had that kind of adult skill set going into it and that really married nicely for that. Yeah, for that, that is really nice. I know sometimes in adult, it's actually, I mean, with all the diastology and everything, you've got to kind of wean it back to remember, okay, I'm looking at a yes. P. I can't get, can't get into it. You know, you got to remember they're coming from different, you know, sides of the spectrum, but it, but it does really solidify like the anatomy and the congenital disease when you get to kind of match that adult with the pediatric too. Very much so. Yeah. Cool. So who was at the OU program? Was that Jean Lee Spitz that started that program? So my program director was Dr. Carrie Boyce at the time. So Jean Lee Spitz was, she, I think had just finished her presidency with the SDMS and had come back to Oklahoma city and was living there at the time. Okay. And she did a guest professorship, I believe at the time. And I think she's who taught my OBGYN class. If I'm remembering which class she taught. So it was a really wonderful privilege to get to really get to work hand in hand with her and have her teach everything like that. So it was, it was great to have that relationship with her. Yeah. And then really getting to know that how, what pioneers they were and that they had oh, a hand in the program. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way about Joan Baker and, you know, starting our SCL university program. And then, you know, at the time I didn't really, I just kind of put her on the shelf as this person, you know, that, that started everything and then to actually get to meet her and then get to see everything she did do. It's like, wow, it's really incredible. What an honor to come from a program that, you know, had that much behind it. So yes, absolutely. So Chelsea, can we shift to talking about the Facebook page? How did you end up creating the page sonographers do in the dark? Yes. So about nine or 10 years ago when we were, I think it was in my senior year of the program and we were, you know, one of the benefits of the program is you got to come back and really share what you saw that week for your case studies or what pathologies you came across. And so I, I kind of saw that time coming to a close and it was, it wasn't going to be as convenient to meet up with my, my classmates anymore. We were all going to be going our separate ways. And so I wanted there to be a way that we could all kind of virtually meet up in a way to kind of either share great pathologies or case studies or ask each other for advice or how to handle situations and be able to vent with one another to kind of share and fellowship with all that great stuff that we were going to miss out on. So I wanted there to be a way to all stay connected. 
Facebook was really coming into its own. And so I just kind of picked a cheeky group name and made a group and here we are. And so it started with about 15 or 20 people. And then my classmates kind of invited their new coworkers who told other people about it. Absolutely. And it went from there. So I know um, several months after creating the group, I checked it. There were 300 people in it. And I thought that was just amazing. And then I got a message probably a couple of years after that. And there were 3,000 people. And then there were 7,000. And last week, we just added our 60,000th member. So it's incredible. Balloon. So yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that is really awesome to watch this little baby that you started turn into this like huge thing. Yes. That's crazy. Awesome. Well, it's interesting that you actually just brought up the word venting too, because in reading the guidelines on the stenographers do it in the dark page, which I appreciate that they're there. I think it's a necessary thing to post on there nowadays, but you list venting as an acceptable reason for members to create posts. Can you elaborate on why you feel venting is necessary for sonographers or members? And do you think sonographers feel a great need to do that with a community of our own? Absolutely. I personally think venting is absolutely crucial. We've all had really emotional or frustrating days or patients, and that just becomes incredibly draining over time. It has that potential. I mean, compassion fatigue is a real problem among medical professionals and sonographers. We're right there with that. I I just feel like any steps that we can take to kind of mitigate that is very important for the longevity of our mental health. So for me, being able to commiserate or even laugh about the crazy day that you had in your profession is a way to kind of process stuff and de-stress. I just feel like it's really important. I know, I mean, my husband's in the medical field and even he can't fully understand where I'm coming from on some of this stuff. And I think that there are some people that can take it way too far and they turn the corner into, you know, being inappropriate or being vulgar. And that's where our admin team will sometimes have to step in and shut it down. And that's a hard line to walk in itself because you don't want to censorship everything, you know, but you have to moderate some things. So that's why we established those guidelines that you mentioned to hopefully mitigate some of that. And, you know, and our group was never intended to be a solely professional group. I mean, the name is sonographers do it in the dark. It's, it's not exactly the most professional title, (laughs) but there are so many other great professional forums out there. I know that SDMS has a really fabulous one that they've really started booting up lately. And that's been a great resource also. So if you're wanting that more professional feel, I kind of point people that way, but I wanted my page to feel more like a virtual break room where you can kind of let your hair down a little bit, vent, de-stress a little bit, and then go back out there and provide, you know, the best patient care possible. Sure. I totally, I can appreciate that. And so it seems like you do recognize that there's the pros and cons of that venting aspect of being able to get out there and say what you want to say. And, and that you said it's a thin line to walk between freedom of speech and professionalism. And um, I'm glad to see that you've taken that into thought, obviously, um, because it, I think there's a lot of people that need that line, line drawn for them. Sometimes. Yes, so that leads into my next question. Does that have you, has there ever been an instance where um, a patient, um, patients themselves has found the page and asked for a second opinion on their photos. And if so, were you able to reject or remove that post before the members responded to that? It happens really frequently, actually. So because the word sonographer is in the title page of the group, we will very frequently get patients on there. And I feel like more times than not, it has to do with fetal gender questions, wanting you know, an early screen. Hey, I just had my 12-week Nuclear translucency scan is this a boy or a girl? And you know, that was that's what we saw a lot of, and we would shut those down. And um, 
we've had a few people get on there and ask for actual medical advice. And I'm very quick to shut that down and delete and block those people because we are not, you know, a second medical opinion that needs to be between the patient and their doctor. And so it's on our, it's in our guidelines. We are not going to give you a gender guess. We're going to remove you. So, sure. so how do you get the jump? Cause I know like when I joined, I, I like joined and obviously you have to wait for your acceptance. Do you like look at their, their credentials? Or are they a sonographer or do they not have any credentials or does it get, well, how does that early work? Early on, I made the decision that I didn't just want this to be for only credentialed sonographers because if people were interested in sonography, so they were a prospective sonography student, I still wanted them to be able to get a taste of what being a sonographer would actually be about. So that has proved to be actually impossible to do any sort of screening on that. So what we have done is we have, you know, clicked on their profile, made sure they're an actual person and not a spam bot. And if they are a real person, then we add them. Uh, Since Facebook has kind of started creating these different um, tools for these larger groups, you can ask questions now of of your membership requests and they can answer. We have three questions that we make people answer. And that's helped kind of weed out some of that, but we still have spent a great deal of time kind of sifting through to make sure that people are real people. Now I'm sure. Is there any time lag between the time when people post like an image saying, Hey, can you guys give me your opinion on this? And before it goes live or are you guys in the in-between or you guys just have to kind of catch it right away? And we have to just try and catch it. We really, I really ask for support and help from our members because if they see a post that is, is shady, not what needs to be on there, I ask them to report it. And then one of our mm-hmm. admins, We'll see it, we'll flag it, and then we can either delete it or if it's a legitimate post and we want to let it stand. Like for a ambiguous genitalia, for example, that's a teaching point. I want those cases on there because that's tough stuff sometimes. And different cases like that we'll let be on there. But if it's one that is, it's truly a patient asking for medical advice or if it's one of these gender posts, we ask for the members to report it so that we can flag it and delete it. Cool. Yeah, that's really helpful to have your members be on your your policing team. And Absolutely. Yeah, we're just five people. We all have wives and families, so we can't be on there twenty four seven. And even if you are, you've missed something. So we really need our members to help us out. Okay, I was going to ask you about that because I have I have people that'll say to me like, "Hey, Jamie, I sent you an invite to that birthday. You never like answered." And I'm like, "Wait, where'd you send it?" And they're like, "Facebook." I'm like, "Shoot, I have a hard enough time getting to my email, and now you want me to check my Facebook page, which I totally get it. I created my thing, so I should be looking at it. But <laughs> how do you make sure that one of you guys are always able to be kind of fielding those those responsibilities?" It can be really hard. So as the group has grown, I've added more and more people to the admin team. So there are now myself and four other people. And we kind of spread out across the country. We have somebody in the Pacific Northwest, somebody in Tennessee, Florida. We even have a Canadian. So we've kind of got the time zones covered. And we just, as we're available, try and check out the page. So we'll either scroll through, look at posts, and um, you know check our inboxes as much as we can to answer any issues that some of the members have messages about just to try and keep tabs on things. So we definitely depend on our mobiles to keep track of everything. Honestly, you guys could, because you're accessible internationally. So do you guys have uh, people from other countries coming on? Yes, absolutely. We have a huge following from people overseas. There seems to be a lot of middle Eastern sonographers, which I love having that different cultural aspect to bring to the table. And they have pathologies that we just don't see here, quite frankly, in the U.S. So it's, I really value those numbers. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So have you uh, employed any admins on the other side? Because a lot of those calls would, and a lot of those things are going to be coming over and a lot of that traffic is going to be in the middle of the night for you, right? Or in those off hours, is there somebody over here that is kind of responsible for those kind of hours on the page or how does that work? I'm the group insomniac. So I kind of (laughs) take charge of that. Um, There are a few of us that kind of are either night owls or early risers. So there's, there's definitely some hours where things aren't getting covered, but it's a Facebook page. There's nothing truly emergent. There's some damage that can be done, but you know, you just kind of delete the post and make a quick blurb and move on if you need to. I have not asked anybody overseas to be a member of the admin team. That's a lot of power for somebody. And I really feel Mm -hmm. like I need to know them. Absolutely. It's great to be able to have that relationship with somebody before we bring them on so that we can trust that they're going to be level-headed and they're going to approach the group in a way that I would personally approach it. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have to, you know, establish that trust with someone to get to know before, but, but nice that you might have that opportunity down the road with it being so large because that would be helpful to have just some more eyes in it. It would be. It would be awesome. So um, your post accordingly recommendation in the guidelines, did that develop after issues arose or did you just post that knowing that people need reminders on etiquette when they're on social media? I want people to be mindful that anything they put out on the internet is forever. Nothing is ever 100% private or confidential. It's a Facebook group. There are people and there's 60,000 members. So think about that. You may post about, oh my gosh, my boss really ticked me off today. Your boss may be a member of this page. Or if you gripe about your clinician, hey, your clinician might remember your name and they're now your hiring manager and you're not going to get that position because you badmouth the organization. Mm-hmm. So I really want people to be mindful of the things that they put out there on the internet. It's just, it's just a good practice to have. Sure. Just in general, because just, you know, We'll get into that a little bit, but, you know, yeah. words online, you know, like you said, don't disappear. Um, have you had it where somebody has said, I posted such and such about a complaint about a situation I went through with a patient where the patient somehow realized it was them even without names and kind of started some conflict there. I've always been worried about that. Like, no, I'm not in just on Star Pursuit in the Dark, but just if you were to put something on your personal page and not use actual names, so you're not a HIPAA violation, but then the other person like somehow sees it and recognizes like they're talking about me and I was in that situation. Have you ever had that come about? We have, I think it's been within the last year that there's, you know, on Facebook, there's so many different groups. Well, it's a group for uh, fertility trouble. And so this other sonographer was on it. She and her partner were trying to get pregnant. She goes, look at this post and post a picture of a woman showing off her baby bump and that she didn't really add what the comments of the woman had said. So basically the woman's cradling her baby bent saying that she's six weeks pregnant, had a bent. Well, we all know that at six weeks, that baby is not big enough to cause any sort of bent. That's a burrito baby mm-hmm. or you need to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Two options there. <laughs> she was commiserating about that because we all, we all know. And well, what happened was the woman was actually a sonographer and was a member of my page. She was posting and in her comment, she said, I know better than anybody that this is not baby, but it's still a bump and dang it, I fought for this baby, it counts. So she recognized her own picture, was completely irate about it, understandably. So she messaged me personally about it. So that was a kind of an eye-opening experience because I don't want anybody to ever feel attacked or you know, made fun of like that. And that's just not a good practice that I want on our page. So we, I actually made a change to the guideline that day just to say from now on, no pictures of people. I don't care if it's a funny meme. We're not going to make fun of obese people. We're not going to post these, 
baby bump pictures that your friend Susan has and you're making fun of her. I'm not interested in having that content on my page. Cool. Good for you. That's great. But that's also, that came, so she had posted from her personal page, that picture, obviously, right? It's not, uh, yeah. And that I saw you put that on there. No grabbing from other people's pages. And I think that's really great because as we're also sonographers doing the dark as a community, we all have our personal lives on the side and we don't always want that to be, to be pulled in and necessarily put on blast you know, so I think that's a great, that was a great guideline. And thank you. And I, I'm hopefully that, um, that, that solved that, that issue with that. It seems to have really cut back on what we experience with that. So it's great. been, and I think that's been a good addition to the guidelines. Yeah. And this may be too personal. If so, we can take it off. But did that person stay with you as, as a community member of Sonographer Student? I think so, because I was very forthcoming with her about how I was very apologetic and told her that I personally don't, did not agree with that post, that I would absolutely take care of it, told her that I deleted the post and I actually reached out to that member explaining why I deleted it and that I was making a change to the guideline that day. So to my knowledge, that person did stay a member. Sure. And that seems like that would be a really good solution to, you know, to her concerns. Absolutely. Transparency, I think is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how do, what are some ways that members kind of push those lines of respect and disrespect in their posts? And if so, what are some circumstances where you had to remove a thread of comments or ban members from a page completely? Was there, and without naming names, of course. Sure. Yeah. You know, we try to remind people to be mindful of the guidelines and, I tried to make the guidelines very centered around respect for the fellow poster. We do definitely get members that get a little salty or directly violate those guidelines. And we either will issue a warning or in some cases, we'll just immediately remove the member and ban without warning if the offense is egregious enough. Uh, So an example would be if a member is trying to use the form as a marketplace for their own personal style items, like hair products or lipstick or different things like that. I don't want that kind of traffic on there. And if you're being overly rude or cussing at somebody or being very aggressive, then that's, this is no place for you. And then we've actually had some people kind of stalk out and figure out some personal information. That's definitely a violation of the guidelines. And I do not play with that. You are deleted and banned, period. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And if those people are deleted, is there a way of petitioning to get back on or do they call it, do it? Do they ever call you personally and be like, Hey, you deleted me. What's up with that? (laughs) I get messaged almost daily by people that we have finally figured out that they got banned or deleted for some reason. And they message me to try and figure it out. Our admin team, we have a thread where we keep track of those kinds of posters and um, I will either give them the reason or say, Hey, this is what happened. And this is why you're deleted. If you will, promise to abide by the guidelines going here forward, then you can be re-added. If you violate it again, you're banned. Okay. So there's like a probationary type of thing that they can kind of go through uh, or a second chance that they may get, but uh, it can be depending on the post. I've had some people that I've just flat out told them, no, you're not welcome anymore. Sure. It depends on how egregious the offense was in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Are you aware of any circumstances where either uh, persons are banned from utilizing sonographers in the dark because of their employer or because the risk of even being a member of that has prevented them from joining the group? Not to my knowledge. I know that there are social media restrictions by my own employer, but that has to do with more making sure that you're not violating HIPAA or that you're not crossing that line with patient pictures and things like that. 
And you also have to be careful of making statements on behalf of the organization. So to my knowledge, as long as a person's personal Facebook profile does not directly mention their own profile or excuse me, their own employer, or they're not making a statement on behalf of their employer, they're okay. Now I know that social media posting, you have to be careful on. Some people do not want you to post any images. I myself do not post images, even though I have some really great case studies because I haven't worked that out with my administration yet, but I know that there are some guidelines with that that you really have to be careful with. Are people that are posting the pictures, are they very mindful of protecting patient information, obviously? Yes, and that's also in our guidelines. If we see that a clip or an image has been posted and it is in a violation of HIPAA, if the patient's information is on display, it gets deleted. And then we also message that poster and welcome them to repost. Just please recrop the image. Sure. And just going back really quick to the part where you said that if they have their employer on their personal page, like I do have the employer I work for as my, under my, under my occupation or whatever, do you suggest people taking that off there so that it doesn't relate specifically or, or is that what you were talking about? That's what I was talking about. Sure. That's so hard because I'm proud of where I work, but I also sure. don't want to make that an issue for my Facebook either. So that's, that's where it's always kind of tricky. And like my LinkedIn profile, I have, everything on there, but my personal Facebook, I keep a little bit more locked down for that reason. Sure. No, that's a good reminder. And, and even just going back, cause you can say you work in perinatal medicine in a town without saying the actual title of the company. So right. good point. Uh, right. Or if you say I had a horrible day because of patients, that <laughs> you work someplace and be like, Oh, well, I want to just narrowed it down to 50 people that that could possibly have contributed to that day. <laughs> okay. And it's good that you pointed out the difference between LinkedIn really being truly professional uh, media versus Facebook is certainly much more uh, uh, personal. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a difference. Yeah, that's a good point to make. So along the world of spam posting, has uh, sonographers do it in the dark ever had that as part of a headache from you to deal with? Oh, it's a huge headache. <laughs> yes, we... We, because we're such a large group, we get attacked by spam bots a lot. And so it's what these spam bots are is they're fake accounts. So they look like a real account kind of at first glance, but when you click on them, there's really just a bunch of kind of stock photos and the gender doesn't match up for the picture and different things like that. And then, so what happens, these spam bots get added to the group and then the bots will make a whole bunch of posts, like either clickbait to try and get the members to click on the post, which will either download a virus or malware, different things like that. Or they'll start auto-posting a lot of things. And very frequently, it's very vulgar posts like pornography. So those get reported. We delete those, ban the member. And then, um, yeah, so we really try and encourage our members to help us report those if, if one does slip through the cracks. And then the other thing that we kind of consider spam is, I mentioned that earlier, members that try and hawk their own personal stuff on the page, like we Etsy shops or you know, skincare lines and then GoFundMe accounts seem to be a, a very big issue for a lot of members. And that's also hard because you want to try and support your fellow sonographer, but you can't, you can't do them all because who knows if they're legitimate or not. So, yeah. So that kind of leads into where I was thinking for a next question is, do you ever get approached to post sonographers selling sonography related products or businesses, um, you know, two sonographers in, in the dark. So it's a posting media or a advertising media. Yes, we get asked quite a bit. 
if it is sonography related, then we allow it. So if it is somebody promoting their educational website, or if it's a job recruiter asking to post, we get machine vendors, things like that, the admin team will usually approve it. As long as it's in the spirit of promoting the profession and helping other sonographers. We haven't really explored advertising at this time. That's probably something we should look into, but um, as long as it's sonography driven, then we're okay with it. You're reading my mind because that was a question I was just going to ask you. <laughs> it <laughs> so, leads in perfectly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So how has the Sonographers Doing It in the Dark page, uh, you mentioned your educational <clears throat> forum. So is that an opportunity for people to uh, sell outdated books or to give access to members that are outside the U.S. that would find those things very resourceful? Yes, so we don't necessarily encourage or directly facilitate the selling of it, but we do allow people to buy and sell ultrasound material so long as the material is original and it's not a reproduction of any kind. So textbooks, study guides, workbooks, those are all fair game as long as they are original and not a copyright violation. We are very specific on that in our guidelines, and we have in the past and will continue to work with the copyright owners in the event of an infringement. And how are you identifying that? Because that was another question that I had. Is there anybody that's going out there and uh, kind of giving the illusion that it's their work and it's not, it's really somebody else's work uh, being posted? Um, are you, have you run across that or how do you identify it? We can, you can usually tell from the post and they'll say a copy of the workbook or a a digital file of the workbook when I know for a fact oh. there is a digital file of that workbook, things like that, or, um, we usually identify it that way. So if it's, if it's a reproduction of any kind, we'll delete the post message, the poster, we try and give the benefit of the doubt that they maybe just didn't even realize that that was an infringement. We did have a case last year where a woman was scanning a popular registry review person's workbook. She scanned it and was making USB copies and selling it for a hundred bucks a pop. Oh my, oh my goodness. Gosh. So that's a nice. large problem. So I actually messaged uh, the owner and said, I've got screenshots of all these people who they thought that they were purchasing original work. Turns out it was a USB. They want to know part of that. And so we offered up screenshots to this person and they turned it over to their attorneys that they could prosecute. Yeah, that makes me think of Sid Edelman's work that you pay for when you go to one of his seminars. I'm sure that he would not like to see that spread throughout the community without his permission. Yes, and Dr. Edelman is a member, and yeah. I've spoken with him on the phone numerous times, and he's a great guy. And I personally took his courses, and I've seen his course raises sure. all the time. So I have a lot of respect for him, and I absolutely want to encourage people to go to the course, of course, you know, absolutely. But if you can't, get the original. Don't try and rip off somebody by getting an infringed copy or reproduction. Yeah. Or make money off of the material that he made yes. and try and resell it. So, um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I think he's great too. I took his courses as well and I always recommend for people to go there. So that's good to hear you guys are supportive of his, of his cause. So, well, I know there's a thin line between entertaining images and improper context over sharing like genital sonograms, uh, pictures. So where does the page draw that line between educational purpose and more of a comical topic of conversation? And how do you deal with those, especially when you're talking about, um, you know, baby boy pictures or, uh, you know, that have genitalia in them and, and where's the, the funny stop and the line drawn? 
different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When the photograph is in the spirit of making fun or mocking, you know, or posting a picture of an abuse person or that baby bump I was thinking, you know, that gets deleted. Mm-hmm. If it's the gender picture, those get deleted. The, the images that I do allow are the ambiguous genitalia where you really can't tell the difference between scrotum and labia. Those can be very difficult. So if it's a learning moment, those stand. And um, photographs of gross anatomy, those will also be allowed. You know, if it's particularly in a pathology that will correlate sonographically, yeah. they're always welcome. Fetal hydrops or a trisomy, you know, and the opportunity to see something sonographically and then see what it looks like, gross anatomy, like what a proboscis looks like, that's kind of a nice correlation to have so that you can make that connection for the sonographer to look for things like that. So if it's... The idea is that it's in the spirit of mockery or being mean or just a good old fashioned penis picture. That's not going to see. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes you get like the random, the, the penis cine clip of the baby peen, which actually is super funny to look at when people realize what they're looking at up close and they're like, oh, you know, something like that, where I think that most sonographers would be like, that's hilarious. I've seen that. It's all in good fun and there's no name on the picture. Does that stuff kind of get to stay um, until they're it's to stay? Okay, okay, good. Stay, absolutely. Yeah. That's I could say those are fun to share when you get them because you feel like you just captured a moment of something that nobody really else gets to kind of see. Like, do you know that they do this in there? It's just hilarious. Well, it's just so. funny because a lot of people don't realize, well, that's kind of what amniotic fluid is here. Oh. But no, it's just kind of funny. So yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's all in good fun, you know. Okay, good. That's that's good that you can have those distinctions between somebody really mocking and poking fun and then saying like hey this is a hilarious thing that we get to see once in a while yes absolutely or the baby inadvertently flipping the bird at the probe yeah that's hilarious i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> funny to me so that stuff gets to stay yeah. it may be a little annoying test after the 10th patient in a row that says my last patient my last baby flipped off and you're like okay yeah but not i'm sure they were literally we caught the middle finger out of the plane or they were just scratching their face yes off. that's yeah. probably just as funny as whenever i'm doing an echo and somebody says it's a boy or a girl yeah right? exactly yeah <laughs> totally yeah we all hear the same jokes and yes <laughs> so the part from the page where I'm going to quote you in saying this, no cyber stalking, no bullying, no personal attacks with thousands of members, differing opinions are expected, but taking things from another member's personal page and posting it here is not allowed. Be respectful in your language and tone and be mindful. We are a large group, rep- a large group representative of different cultures with a lot to learn from one another. First of all, I want to say kudos on making this point and reinforcing this guideline to your members, because really, I think that that's something that as a society and as a new generation and being on social media just need to be reminded of. And we probably need to remind the generation coming up behind us of our children of the same thing and how important that is. So do you find yourself having to reinforce or remove members due to their inability to comply with this regulation? We kind of already talked about that. Um, but how often do you feel like that happens? Do you feel like since you posted the guidelines and posted those words that I read, has it gotten better? Do you see yourself having to actually block more people now that you have more members? How is that? How is that? We still are having to block members. Honestly, people get very heated on polarizing topics. I recently added that Topics such as abortion were no longer going to be welcome on the page. That's a deeply personal topic. It's polarizing. Nobody's going to change anybody's mind on it. And there's really not going to be a constructive conversation had on it at this point. So things like that have really caused some pretty heated conversations. And there's, you know, topics like that abound. So it seems to be people kind of lose their head and they forget that they're behind a screen and on the other side of that screen is a real person. And they just really kind of forget that respectfulness that I request for my members. So 
sometimes, you know, we'll issue a warning and ask them to kind of reel it in. And I've had people get super ticked off at me that I called one of them out, not the other. And so they turn on me by, sorry, I don't have time to deal with that. So <laughs> you're, you're like, I barely have time to check all your messages. Oh, exactly. I really can't do this back and forth with you right now. Exactly. Family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, I got kids to take care of. You're going to not be my fourth kid or whatever, my third kid today. I'm going exactly. To but, and maybe yeah. have people, you know, they got into a disagreement on sonographers in the dark and this person got irately angry about, I don't, I don't even remember what the post was about now, found this woman's LinkedIn profile. Like we talked about early, the LinkedIn is a professional page. So she had her, her employer listed. And so she called the employer and tried to get her in trouble and try to get her fired from her position. Now it wasn't a fireable offense. Like she wasn't in the wrong. And so this woman looked ridiculous that she, from a Facebook page called an employer across the country to try and get this other person fired. But that's the kind of stuff I talk about. You will not, you know, no personal attacks. You will not try and cyber stalk or find out this personal information. That's the stuff that's going to get you banned faster than anything else. Yeah. As sonographers, we all come from such different backgrounds and belief systems. And that's part of what makes this page so great is we have sonographers from Oklahoma. We have sonographers from, you know, the Middle East. And that's amazing that we get to have that very inclusive kind of culture But with that, you're going to also have to be willing to listen to somebody with an opinion or point of view different than that of yourself. And that ability, I think, is lost on some people. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that some of that, you know, like you said, you're not going to get somebody that agrees with you 100%. At some point, you need to stop talking about it and just go back to being able to have... to be able to agree to disagree on certain topics. And, and, um, and that's good that you have the finger to be able to go in there when that's not happening. Um, what do you teach your own kids about social media and are they at that age? How old are your kids again? Seven and five. So thankfully I'm not really at that point, but we have a lot of conversations about respect and about how there are people that have different thoughts than us and they, people look different and they have different opinions on things. And how amazing is that, that in this world, we get to listen to other people that think and believe differently than us. That's so interesting. Sure. And you get to really learn and kind of expand that mind. So that's what I teach my own kids. So hopefully some of that will sink in so that whenever they're on Facebook here in a few years, they're not acting a fool behind the screen like some of these people are. So Yeah. And don't you see, I mean, I as a parent think that where when I went to school, there was home ec and I remember I made a horrible pair of boxers and made a couple really bad meals there. But like, you know, that was where they tried to teach you in their minds. And maybe this was kind of even old school for what we were going through, but the generation before that developed the education, we're like, you know, we need to teach them to cook and to sew and do all these things that sometimes we weren't going to end up doing, you know, maybe it's because we didn't have to sew. We were going to go buy our clothes or we don't cook. We're going to get to go or whatever it is. It's like, don't you think that there is a need for children in our, in our kids generation to be brought up where social media is definitely talked about. And it's definitely talked about being behind a screen, the conversations we have, and, and education on that, on that sort of thing. I think there absolutely needs to be some coursework on that because that's a huge part. And that's where we're going in society. We're training towards a more digital age and there needs to be a sense of responsibility and accountability, even though you're behind a screen and you're faceless, that there is a person with a face on the other side of that. And the things that you say do have an impact and that the rules yeah. still apply. Like you have to still be a decent human being, even though you're typing your words instead of speaking them. 
So uh, administrators for your page, we talked about that a little bit. How many do you have helping out this time and what are their backgrounds? Are they of varying backgrounds? Yeah. So over the years I've added, uh, we've now added four more administrators. So there are now five of us. So we have a great team, honestly. So Earl Henselin, Brian Brendel, Mallory Brizzo, and Dana Johannesson. So Earl is RBT and RDMS, and he is currently practicing in the vascular world. And Brian is a cardiac sonographer that is cross-training over into vascular also. Mallory's background, and she's RDMS, and she is in general an OB, and she's working towards her RBT now. And then Dana is RBT, and she practices in a very specialized subset of vascular with a CIMT. Kind of goes all over the place. Geographically, um, I'm from Colorado. We've got somebody from Tennessee, Pacific Northwest, Florida, and then even up in Canada now. That's cool. So everybody on the admin page at this point does have a sonography background. Yes, everybody. I was wondering if you had any IT people on there kind of helping you, you know, feel any. Not yet, but that's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody out there is wanting to fill that slot, it might be available. Do you have any members on the page who are non-sonographers? If so, what are their varying backgrounds, if you know? And do you have any physicians on the page? We do have a lot of people on the page that are not sonographers. So we have some admin people that they wanted to get a better feel of all the craziness that their staff had to go through. And we also have a lot of physicians. So a lot of physicians, particularly from other countries, they do scanning themselves. And so they really have to get a good grasp of some things. So it's important for them to be able to recognize a pathology that they maybe haven't come across yet, but they may in their career. So we, we, are, we try to be very inclusive and welcoming to everybody. Yeah, I think that's awesome, especially like the fact that you pointed out with sonographers doing their own scanning, because that's something that I don't think I realized till I kind of thought about what does international sonography look like? I'm going to do a podcast out there. What what are the things outside of the U.S. do I not know about sonography? And then in interviewing Joan Baker and them found out, oh, okay, in China, a lot of them are still physicians doing their own scans. But in Australia, where they've had the Society of Diagnostic Medical Sonography for a while, then, then they have their own sonographers. So Right. Um, so that's a great thing. And with things happening in different parts of the world, just for example, like Zika virus, so, you know, being very prominent and the effect of babies being in, in one country, that that's really interesting perspective to get from uh, sonographers or physicians practicing sonography in those areas that they can give us that we may not be experiencing at the same rate, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a way that the page can really connect us with that community. Just I agree. But I noticed you state in the guidelines that banning an admin is prohibited. Could you kind of talk about that and how would an admin get banned? And it sounded like you were worried about somebody else on the page, like a member banning an admin or something. And how? So what has happened is, all right, so let's just give an example. So a couple of members start kind of going at it and getting really snarky with each other and really start violating the guidelines. So if I call them out on it and say, hey, such and such, reel that in a little bit. Some people really don't appreciate that because they're all amped up and they, they really don't appreciate that. So I've been blocked before. Well, the thing is, when you're the admin of the page and you block me, I can still see what you're saying. It just blacks out your name. I can't click on your profile, but I can still see you. And so there's that kind of inherent deceptiveness. And that's what we don't allow because they're doing that in the spirit of trying to hide something from me. And if you're going to be on my page, I get to see what you're saying. That's fair. So wait, so they can block you. Can you then tell you're blocked and then just delete that person? Yes. Because it makes their page, you know, on Facebook, it just like 
it normally your name is blue and I can click on Jamie's profile and it will, or the other your name and it'll go right to your profile. If you block me on my page on this Snogfers in the Dark. So Jamie, if you blocked me, I could still see your name, but it would be blacked out now. So I'd no longer be able to click on your profile. Now, if, if I was just on some other random page and you blocked me, I would no longer be able to see any of your posts or comments. But the fact that I'm admin, I still get to see that. Sure. I can tell that's like you were trying to be a little deceptive and you were trying to kind of go around it. And that's just, that's the kind of thing that we try. And so you were just putting that guideline up there just to tell them, like, if you try, if you block us, you just might get deleted up out of it. Yeah. If you block me, we're gone. Okay. I was wondering where that was from. And I was like, wait a minute, how can they be able, I thought you meant like them kicking you off the page, but now blocking that totally makes uh, sense. How many personal messages do you estimate that you get a day um, where there are, you know, most common concerns or questions and how would you go about getting back to those? I'm not sure how many messages the other people get. I probably get between one and five a day, depending oh. on what hot button topic has been discussed that day. If there was some posts that just really blew up and we didn't get to it in time to kind of shut it down, I'll get some messages about such and such member being in violation of guidelines or things like that. And some days it's not that many, some days it's a lot. All right. Wow. I don't know if you can hear that leaf blower in the background of my house, but I managed to get oh, rid of yeah, my I managed to get rid of my children for a couple hours so I could record this, but I didn't spread the message to my neighbor over here. Who's? Uh, I was wondering what that was. I was thinking it was speed back on my end, so that's funny. No, so out there, audience, that that's the leaf blower. We, we can see <laughs> down here. That's so. Awesome. so amazingly, you mentioned earlier that you have your sixty thousand member. And so I'm curious, have you developed any demographics about your membership or do you, have you broken it down in different areas? I haven't yet. And that's a brilliant idea. And that's something I feel like I ought to do. Cause I know you can have some, there's some polling capacity now with Facebook. So you could really poll and say, you know, where are you? Are you in the Pacific Northwest? Are you in the Southeast? Like, where are you at? So I think that'd be really interesting to do and not just in the U S but I would love to know how many international sonographers and physicians we have on the page also. So that's something we got to look into. And there's always that networking opportunity on the page. So I think that would be great because you could also look at somebody. Okay. I, I live in Oklahoma and I can see that in the Southwest, I'm interested in kind of living in that area. I can see who responded from that area and ask them if they know of any job openings or different sure. things like that. So sure. yeah. on the page, we even have a Google document for all the job listings. So that's always a really awesome thing. I love getting those messages of, hey, because of your Google document, I found this job listing and applied for it and got it. And they wouldn't have found it on a different site. So I love those kinds of posts. So I think the jobs are there. They just may not be in the location that sure. a lot of people are looking at. So I know rural areas usually have a lot of job openings, but a lot of those rural hospitals may not have a big their social media presence or a job posting on LinkedIn or Indeed or things like that. But me as a sonographer, if I know that I have a job posting at this hospital that I work at, I can post it on this page and somebody else can find it. Sure. One quick question related to that. If a person or a sonographer was interested in doing a poll or a survey to help uh, assist in like an original research project, like patient attitudes towards something or, you know, something, some small thing that they wanted to do. If they had that in mind, would they be able to access the page to pass out that survey? Like the SDMS had, you know, remember back in the day when they had to mail that huge benchmark survey and it was like a huge cost for them and yeah. to do that. Yeah. Now that we have a social media presence where it has 
a ton of members. Um, is that something you would consider doing? And if so, would they have to be like uh, regulated, like have all the IRB regulations in place before you would post that? Or is that something you've thought about? Absolutely. I actually had a student message me a couple months ago about something related to that. And I posted it on her behalf and then allowed her to also post it and say with admin approval. So really anytime somebody wants to utilize the page for that, I'm game and I'll allow that post. Well, two things earlier, you were talking about the job uh, potential uh, connections with that and then the student. So have you thought about or have you talked with your fellow admin support staff as far as what impact is Sonographers Do It in the Dark having on the community of sonographers and sonography? I think it's very flattering to think about this little sonography page I started years ago having any sort of impact, but I like to think that it is. I like to make I like to think that it's making the world of sonography a little bit closer. Um, I love getting those messages and seeing those posts where a, a sonographer that was kind of in a standalone clinic and didn't really have a lot of access to other sonographers to ask for advice could post on the page and ask for advice. A couple of years ago, there was a sonographer that she had never seen an abruption before. And there was a person that a couple of months prior had posted a placental abruption. And because she had been on this page, and had seen that case, she knew what that looked for. And so she could escalate that. They ended up doing a C-section and save that baby's life. Whereas she would have had no idea what that looked like just because she had never come across it and she didn't have anybody to bounce that off of. So for me, that right there is a triumph. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So I think that's, that's amazing. And so I think that that's, that's kind of my hope for the page is that it just kind of brings us all a little bit closer where we can ask for advice and help and yeah good stuff like that. So that's really where it turns into more of a forum because, you know, like if I haven't in this podcast adventure that I've set myself on, there's definitely been times where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And to be able to type that into Google and then look at forums of people who've already had the same issue. And that's what is really one of the positives about the page is that you can go and talk to people about issues that they've already come to and bridges they've already crossed and they can give you their advice and, and, um, and some you'll take with a grain of salt and then some you'll actually use. So that, I think it's just so important and I don't care what stage of your career you're in. If you are a very recent grad or if you have been doing this for 30 years, you can always benefit from getting advice from somebody else or talking to somebody that has the lens of experience with a different perspective. And for sonographers that can be the difference in providing really excellent patient care or a miss. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, has your team thought about what's on the horizon for the future of sonographers in the dark? Obviously not asking about necessarily projecting numbers for membership. Obviously, you're on a, on a roll for growth, but uh, things that you would like to offer or see, uh, you know, in your vision of, you know, a year from now or five years from now? We haven't really had too many conversations about that. I think we're just kind of swimming in our day-to-day lives right now, but I think that I would love to see bigger impacts with it. I'd love to reach even more sonographers and I would love to figure out a way to get more and more case studies posted and things like that. And again, I realize that there are social media restraints and things like that with employers, but I would love to get even more pathology, more case studies, things like that posted. I eventually, who knows, we might get merchandise and things like that on board who knows so stuff like that we'll see yeah definitely I feel like you should at least have a sonographer's doing it in the dark tank top out there that I can buy Something, right? <laughs> 
at least a pair of socks or something. Jeez. Coffee mug since we're all coffee addicts. Hey, like an iPhone case with it on the back. <laughs> there you like, go. You know, glow in the dark or something. Something that would <laughs> I think that would work well. You know what's funny? On a on a aside, whenever I was leaving Richmond, uh, two of my really great friends that I worked with, they knew I had started this page, and that's right where it blew up with sure. during my time there. And they actually had a black t-shirt with glow in the dark writing that said stenographers in the dark. I, I love it. If I could buy that, I would buy it right now. Seriously. Yeah. You know, that also, that it brings me to the question, or do you guys have to, to the point where you're having staff meetings about your admin page? And do, have you thought about that? Because that might be something you need to start doing with as large as the community's getting. We haven't. I think that sounds like a great excuse for a vacation where we can <laughs> off, right? Exactly. So now how we manage it right now, we have a separate thread and then we also have a private uh, Facebook group that we can kind of communicate back and forth with and ask advice on how to handle a certain post. If it is a message from a member, I try and take point on that so that I can be the bad guy in a sense, if it's something like that. But we really just kind of have our conversation just with our own little private thread and but also you could poll people on your page, which is interesting about what do you guys want to see more of or less of or whatever on our page. So you can actually get feedback from your members about their own experience with sonographers doing in the dark, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. I would also love to try and figure out, like ask a, in that poll sense, kind of get a poll of what's the pathology that you guys don't have a good grasp of. Sure. And then ask a couple of people if they could get permission from their administrators to post an anonymous case study sure. of sort and just have like a, and I would love to get like a file. This is what a bunch of ectopic pregnancies can look like and have a file underneath the page. This is what a bunch of, you know, pericardial effusions of tamponade can look like. Sure. Things like that. So that I think would be kind of an avenue that we could explore. So I think that from your perspective specifically, we you get a really good view of current day sonographers as a whole. That's unlike anybody else's. What do you see as a unique about this community that others may not appreciate? What do sonographers this day and age look like? I think that it is really interesting to see how the attitudes of sonographers have changed and how their approach has changed. So you've gone from these, you know, the originals, and all the way down to people that are graduating this semester. And it's interesting to kind of see how their mindsets have changed from people that were kind of cross-trained over and had to learn on-the-job training to now we have didactic coursework with set curriculum, just to kind of see the differences in how they're training. And I think with that, you're getting a really interesting kind of mix of sonographers in the world. And that's why I love this page. It's because we really get to bring that all into one location and really get a sense of community that even though you're separated geographically or by experience that at the end of the day, you're all sonographers and the end goal is providing the best patient care that you can. So that's what I always think is so unique about this because it really kind of crosses all the barriers. Yeah. Do you see a personality trait among sonographers that most of us share in common? You know, even though we do different things from vascular to, to perinatal or whatever. I don't know. Are we all OCD or perfectionist? <laughs> I don't know what that is maybe, but, uh, yeah, I wonder if there is like one personality trait that all kind of ties us together. I do feel like we're super compassionate and I don't mean compassionate just with our care, our patient care, but I just mean like in the world, like we're trying to serve a purpose. We want to feel important for that purpose, but we really want people 
to feel like we care, whether it's about in a research article or whether it's our day-to-day patient care, whether it's supporting other sonographers on Sonographers New in the Dark, telling them, don't worry, hang in there. I mean, I feel like compassion across the board that I've seen, and I think our occupation is small enough where when you go to something like a the SDMS annual conference or something, you can kind of get an idea that no matter where people are in their career, that there's this like common thread through people. Sometimes with Lorinda, I felt like it's professionalism or just the, the urge to do better, to be better step beyond what's accepted. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. I was kind of thinking that after the conference too, is that I felt like compassion might be the one thing. I think, you know, I think compassion may be the one thing. And I think that has to be a prerequisite for doing what you do and loving what you do is that you have to be compassionate for your patient and you have to understand that everybody is, everybody that crosses your table is going through potentially the worst day of their life and you have to give them a little grace. And so you have to have that compassion to be able to do your job, do it to the best of your ability and then move on to the next one and and different things like that. So I've always, I've always told people whenever I was teaching fellows or, you know, they were kind of asking about like a really tough case where I would, when I was in Richmond, I found, I can't even tell you how many incidental cases of, of liver cancer that they had no idea about. And I was just doing a sweep, just old habits die hard and found a bunch of Mets or different things like that. And then you have to just put on a smiley face and move on to the very next patient. And that I've always said that the day that that doesn't bother me, the day that I lose that sense of compassion is the day that I will put my two weeks notice in because I'm no longer serving my patients. Mm. So yeah, that's that's to be applauded. That's a that's a good point. And maybe that's the point that when you being a, in your position on sonographer student in the dark is when you see some people at odds with each other or kind of going back and forth is to remind people like, look, no matter how different of an opinion we have on this, we're all really compassionate. And Absolutely. and you know, passionate isn't compassionate. Like people are stupid yes. passionate, like you said, right? They're very divided on certain they get they get really behind one thing. So that can be kind of that, like, use that to your advantage. We are, we're really, what, what we're looking at is that we're just really compassionate people and we're not always going to agree, but if we can focus on that passionate part and, and that compassionate bringing us together, um, is that that word in itself kind of is, it, you know, unity and community and like for the better, for the greater good of all people, this is why we do this. It's not just for our own cause. And, um, I think that's, I think that's an awesome. Uh, what a great way to put that. I completely agree. Well, well, you're used to the word passion. I remember a conversation when Steve McLaughlin was on the board at some point that that discussion happened about that that was something that yeah. sonographers definitely have that passion. That would be a great, you know, keynote speech to it at one of the annual conferences to really focus wow. on, you know, and the word compassion, you know, that the passion part is what we all have and the, the compassion part is, you know, us finding that common thread and Mm-hmm. And um, using that, upholding that within our profession, because we have to have that, that standard of us. And it has to be more than a monetary, like a dollar sign. It has to be more than just accolades. It has to be something, you know, tangible that everybody has the ability to obtain with, within each person. So, well, I definitely have to applaud you on what you've done with the page, but also the professional standards that you've upheld for yourself and your colleagues Seeing you at the SDMS annual conference was so great. I know you're so busy on the social media side, but being able to see you do the page and be at the conference was definitely inspiring. 
I love how it demonstrates that you can juggle being a mom and being passionate about the occupation with the page and also being passionate about the profession on the educational side. I think it's really important that we can balance those aspects within our careers. And I think that begins with um, setting professional expectations, but also realizing that we're all human. We have, we have to have that human aspect of us. And I think that people could look at the page and say, okay, um, I'm not being part of Sonographers in the Dark because it's not professional enough for me. And I, it seems like a liability. Or people could go on there and be like, you know what? I wish I could just do Sonographers do in the Dark all day long because all these guys do is I see, you know, they feel where I'm coming from. They know what I'm going through. And this is what I need to hear. Really marrying those two. And again, talking to people about this, the diversity is where we can find a lot of knowledge and we can learn a lot from, and it can make us better people. You know, being able to take in the opinion from somebody that, you know, fostered this from their baby in this, you know, 1965 and grew it to what it was today to somebody who fostered this, you know, social media page and grew it to us and having those two people say, what do you need me to do to make sure that we take care of this profession? And what do you need me to do? And then being able to learn from each other and not just say, Oh, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm cutting you off. And, and I'm right. you off because I think in, in that aspect, we can do um, the greater good for the profession. Absolutely. And I think it's that, that personal, that human aspect that makes us better sonographers. That's what is that compassion, that passion that you mentioned earlier. That is what makes us great at our jobs. And that's what we really are able to bring to the table for our patients. I know on a personal aspect, I, you know, when I was working at OU Children's, I was doing Pizeco, but again, I was taking call for general ultrasound. I would get called in the middle of the night for all these first trimester bleeding. And then you'd have all these women panic. They were having a miscarriage. I got really frustrated that after a certain amount of time, it's like you kind of get jaded until it was me. And I was the one having a miscarriage. And I understood what that meant to be terrified and to not understand and be just worried and sick. That personal experience, it was heart-wrenching, but it made me a better sonographer. It made me empathize rather than sympathize with my patients. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my son, Lucas, had atypical Kawasaki's last year. Of all the ironies, since I do pediatric echo, it makes you empathize with your patients in a, in a whole new way. So that human aspect, that personal aspect, I think that is what we have to embrace with our profession because that's what makes you a wonderful and truly great sonographer. Because at the end of the day, that's what brings us all together. Like you said, it's that compassion, that passion. That's what makes us great. Chelsea, Lorinda, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to do this interview with us today. We appreciate so much your contribution to the occupation of sonography in many ways, including the Facebook page. And we look forward to continuing watching the success of Sonographers Do It in the Dark. I think that the page gives us a wonderful opportunity to appreciate the diversity that we have within the occupation, but also find common ground and support with each other. Please join us as we do episode number six with Nancy Schoenard of Sonography Canada. This is an exciting chance for us to step outside of the United States and see what the occupation looks like, what the similarities and differences are with our neighbors to the north. Please feel free to email us at internationalsonographypodcast at gmail.com with any questions or ideas for the show. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode.